sermon number 577, Elijah's Broom Tree, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on August 8, 1971. The text, 1 Kings 19.4, And Elijah came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die. 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, beginning at the first verse. King Ahab told Jezebel, his wife, all that Elijah had done, and how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah was afraid. And he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And Elijah laid down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, else the journey will be too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. And there he came to a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. The Bible tells us that before our Lord turned and faced to go toward Jerusalem, toward the agonies of Gethsemane and Calvary, one day he took three of his best friends, Peter, James, and his brother John, and he took them up into a mountain. We think it was Mount Tabor. And there he was miraculously and marvelously transfigured. 
before these three disciple friends, and he entered into a conversation with Moses, who had lived 1,300 years before, and with Elijah, a prophet of the 9th century B.C. And up there on that mountain, the three of the God's greatest people, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, conversed for a long period of time. And that particular incident is called the Transfiguration. And this particular incident, the Transfiguration, has left Christian theology with many questions. One, why did God arrange for such a strange meeting between these men whose lives scanned more than a thousand years? Why these men? What was he trying to do? Of course, we don't have a real definite answer to that, except we do know that our Lord gained strength from having talked with two of his forerunners, two men who had been victorious and successful, but two men who had also known disappointment and disillusion, men who had been despondency from time, who had known despondency from time to time, and who had felt at various times in their ministry that their life had been in vain as they had tried to serve the Lord. Secondly, the question comes, why did our God choose Moses and Elijah to talk with the Lord? Moses, well, we can understand that to some degree, for Moses was the first great leader of the people. He was the lawgiver. To this day, the, the Jew really thinks that there was really nobody like Moses. But why Elijah? Why not Moses and Abraham? Abraham, you know, is the one with whom God worked out the first covenant. Why not Moses and Isaiah? Isaiah was the one who beautifully foretold the death of the coming Christ. Why not Moses and the great royal King David, one of the greatest Jews that ever lived? We really don't know why God chose Moses and Elijah, unless maybe it was because of Elijah's broom tree. The third question that Christian theology asks about the transfiguration is what was said up there on the mountaintop. What did they talk about, Moses and Elijah? In Jesus. We have no record of the conversation. Peter, James, and John were either sleeping or so surprised by what they saw that they didn't take down or perhaps never even heard what was said up there on the mountaintop. But if they had been talking about Elijah's broom tree, and they could have very easily, you know, I'm sure that Elijah was telling our Lord what had led him to seek out the refuge of the broom tree. If this is one of the topics of their conversation, you can be sure Elijah, this great man of God, was telling our Lord that one of the factors, one of the conditions, one of the attitudes 
that had led him to seek out the broom tree centuries before was the fact that his body was physically exhausted. That's what led Elijah to the broom tree. First and foremost, he was physically exhausted. He was tired. He was riddled with fatigue. You'll remember that just before this 19th chapter of Kings, we have the great trial by fire there on Mount Carmel. And Elijah had worked so hard in preparing that great experience. It had taken many, many days to try and contrive a plan to get King Ahab to agree to such a trial by fire. Probably the night before he hadn't slept because he was not unsure, but just questioned what all would be happening the next day, and he was a little bit nervous. And then up there on top of that hill, hearing 450 prophets of Baal yelling and moaning and slashing their own bodies for hours, hoping that that would provoke the god Baal to action. Oh, that was very difficult on the nerves. And then the deep concentration in which Elijah prayed unto God that his God would answer by fire. All of this had taken its toll of his physical strength. He was very, very weary. And then when at last the Lord settled the issue and sent the fire from heaven and the people knew once and for all that the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Elijah was so exhilarated by his victory that the Bible tells us that he ran from Mount Carmel clear to Jezreel, a distance of 17 miles. Run 17 miles. After putting in a horrible day and perhaps a sleepless, sleepless night before, and, and you're going to find out you're tired. And tiredness can do horrible things to people. And Elijah knew that it led him to seek out the comforts of the broom tree. Because when Elijah got back to Jezreel, and where King Ahab had told his wife Jezebel what Elijah had done in killing the 450 prophets of Baal, Jezebel was so furious that she sent Elijah this word, May the gods do also to me if by not this time tomorrow you are dead. Now, Elijah had been frightened many times before. He had been in all types of perilous conditions. But when he heard this threat from the woman, because he was tired and physically spent, he allowed the fear of a threat, the fear of a threat, to drive him to the broom tree. And he being yet very, very tired, left Jezreel, went clear to Bathsheba down there in Judah. Another day after he left his servant, he ran for refuge and at last almost completely exhausted. He crawled under the broom tree, saying, It is enough, O Lord. Let me die. I'm sure our Lord heard the words of Elijah that it was physical exhaustion that had driven him to despondency and to despair and to discouragement and wanting death. 
But that's not the only thing that had driven him to the, to the broom tree. His tired condition had much to do with it, and his tired spirit, you see, was lying to his better self. His tired, weakened spirit was lying to his better self. Now, all of us know that probably the most despicable person in all of the earth is a liar. There's only one person worse, and that is that individual who spends so much time in lying to himself. And when a man or a woman tells himself or herself that he is better than he really is, you see, that individual is lying to himself. But the point that we often forget is that when an individual tells himself that he is worse than he really is, he's also lying to himself. And that's exactly what Elijah was doing. He was trying to tell God and everybody else that he was a total failure. In spite of the fact that God created him, God loved him, and God had won many victories like the one on Carmel through him. His weak and tired self was trying to tell everyone, including himself, that he was a failure. He was no good. He lost all confidence in himself. And in any man, any man gets to the place where he can lie to himself and has himself believing that he is worse than God sees him to be. He has but one place to end up, under the broom tree. And Elijah was there because he had lied to himself, not only about himself, but he had lied to himself about other people. Elijah had gotten to the place where he had felt so sorry for himself that he had lost confidence not only in himself, but in everybody else. He didn't think there was one honest, true, good man in all of Israel. The fact was that God still had 7,000 people who had yet to bow the knee to the god Baal. But Elijah didn't see that. Like you and me, he, he believed that every man and woman has his or her price. That sooner or later, everybody, everybody will be betrayed. That nobody, nobody but you are really concerned about the kingdom what is right. I only, Lord, am left. I alone. Elijah lost all confidence in other people. Oh, yes, you can't believe a lot of people. You can't trust them. But whenever you get to the place that you don't believe in at least a few people, that a few people are as interested in the church as you are, that a few people are interested in the world as you are, as a few, that there are a few people in the world that want to do right, and are trying to do right. Well, then you have no place to end up except under the broom tree. And then Elijah was there because in lying to himself, he really thought he wanted to die. His weakened nature in lying to himself made him think that he wanted to die. 
Elijah didn't want to die. If he had, why didn't he stay in Jezreel? Jezebel would have more than obliged him in taking care of the deed, but no, he had run. You see, the broom tree is reserved for those people who say they want to die, but really don't want to. Elijah, you see, was very much like that man, the Clovis Chapel, that great elderly Methodist minister tells us about, who was constantly threatening suicide. I'm going to do away with myself, and then you'll all be sorry. And, and he had a friend, a very sincere friend, who was grief-stricken every time that he heard his friend threaten suicide. And one day, when he heard this threat so many times, and he'd gotten so emotionally involved, always though nothing happened, he decided that he had to do something to cure this friend from lying to himself. So he went and got the biggest, ugliest revolver that he could find. He burst into the hotel room where his friend was living and said, John, I've heard you so often say that you want to kill yourself. Now, I don't want to see you die. And throwing the gun down on the table, he said, therefore, because I love you, I'm going to help you. Since you would be killing yourself, that is the sin of murder. And since you would be dead, you would not have an opportunity to repent. But because I love you as I love myself, I am going to kill you. And then, you see, I, though, after you are dead, will still be living. And I will have an opportunity to repent. Therefore, go over there, sit down, and make out your will before I kill you. Well, the man, needless to say, got a little white in the face, began to stutter and stammer, and tried to talk his friend out of doing such a friendly deed, and decided he would not kill himself. Very simple story which tries to point out the fact that most of us, when we think we would be better off dead, we're really only lying to ourselves because we really don't believe that. And if someone were to help us to find death, we too would be very quick to try to escape whatever service they would want to render. And these are the factors, though, you see, that lead people under the broom trees. And I'm sure our Lord, up there on the mountain of transfiguration, he heard Elijah, if Elijah was talking about his broom tree. And not only would he hear from this great prophet, the things that led Elijah to find the despondency under the broom tree, but also he would have heard how the Lord brought him from under the shade of the broom tree. The first thing, according to the record, which we read for our scripture reading, that God did for Elijah was to give him rest. Notice, if you will, that the Lord did not begin to scold Elijah for getting into the predicament of despondency. He did not try to lecture Elijah as to what he could do to find a way out of the broom tree, from under the broom tree. He did not tell Elijah to pray, to read the Bible. He didn't even tell him to go to church. The first thing that he did without saying a word was to put Elijah to sleep. You see, the most religious thing that you can do sometime is to 
go to sleep, to get rested. For just as the physical body is more readily susceptible to disease when it is tired and when it is, when it is weak with exhaustion, so also discouragement and disappointment and frustration comes into our lives more when we are physically exhausted than at any other time. And the Lord knows this. The Lord didn't take time asking Elijah, as do many counselors, why did you get into this particular problem? The Lord had more sense than some of us. He knew that if Elijah knew why he got in there, he wouldn't be there in the first place. No, he gave it his beloved sleep. He made Elijah to lie down in the green pastures beside the still waters so that he could restore Elijah's soul and strength. You know, when you want to crawl under a broom tree, maybe what you need to do is to crawl into bed for sleep. That's the first thing that the Lord did in helping Elijah, and the second was to tell Elijah to take a trip, a 40-day trip. That's a five-and-a-half-week vacation. He told Elijah to go to the mountains on a trip. You ever notice how often God is telling people to go to the mountains? I don't know what it is, but God somehow feels that there's some remedy when you can go to the mountain, especially when you're tired. He sends, mountain, or he sends Noah to Mount Ararat, Moses to Mount Sinai, Gideon to Mount Gilead, Saul to Mount Gilboa, Jesus to the Mount of Olives, Elijah to Mount Horeb. Now, maybe God's sending you to a mountain. The psalmist is right, you know, when he says, as we heard songs so beautifully today, that I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. If you have a vacation, you better take it. Maybe God working through that particular remedy, and he may be sending you to the mountains, and if he ever is, go. For it was up there on the mountain that God gave to Elijah a new perspective. After he got Elijah from under the broom tree and after he had rested his body, up there on the mountain Elijah had a new perspective of how God works. He had Elijah standing at the mouth of the cave. And then the Lord came, and he came in a violent, mighty storm, and Elijah liked that because he here on earth, for the sake of the Lord, had led a very violent, tremendous, powerful life. And first of all, Elijah stood there, and as he watched that storm racking all over the earth, he saw and felt a great wind, a great wind that was coming and was breaking up the stones and the rocks of the mountain, and this whirlwind for the Lord was thrilled because this is the way he wanted to see God act so mightily and so powerfully. And he watched the wind and he thrilled to it. But God was not in the wind. Next came the rumbling of an earthquake and everything began to shake. And Elijah liked this because all through his ministry he hoped that God once and for all would come and shake even the foundations of the earth. But God was not 
in the earthquake. Finally, there were great streaks of fire all about him, and this fireball for the Lord was thrilled because this is the way the Lord should work. But the Lord was not in the raging fire. And then there was nothing but the still, small voice. And God was in the still, small voice. And for the first time in Elijah's life, he found that perspective that yet some of us are yet to find that sometimes God's not in the wind and God is sometimes not in the earthquake and God is not sometimes in the fire, but God works best sometimes in the still, quiet, small voice. This was a new perspective to Elijah. And he was forced to see and to realize that sometimes when we least suspect that God is working, that is where he is working his best. So with a rested body, with a new perspective, Elijah came down and we went back to work. He was out from under the broom tree. And I'm sure up there on the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah was recounting all of these experiences to our Lord, and our Lord must have listened. For you'll remember that our Lord, in just a few months following the Transfiguration, he found himself not under a tree, but on a tree, the cross. And at that time, as we read in our unison reading today about the ninth hour of that Good Friday afternoon, our, our Lord cried out, My Lord, my Lord, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of the people said, He's calling for Elijah. And another individual said, Let's wait to see if Elijah comes and takes him down and saves him from the cross. Well, of course, we know Elijah did not come and take him down from the cross, but I submit to you that Elijah was there on Golgotha Hill that day that the spirit of Elijah was in our Lord. And what enabled our Lord to endure the cross and despise the shame was the fact that on the Mount of Transfiguration he remembered the lessons which had come from Elijah's broom tree. So ladies and gentlemen, the whole idea for this sermon was that the next time you find yourself up a tree or maybe crucified for no matter what sake or you are looking for some security under some shade so that you can run away and wish that you would die remember Elijah's broom tree in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen